Welcome to the Africa Green Collar Project. I am your host, Churchill Omondi Agutu. Can we rethink how we learn about sustainable energy? Well, we met someone who is answering that question. How, you ask? Meet Dr. Dennis Sala from Lancaster University in the UK, who is using his expertise in data science and energy systems to teach high school students about sustainable energy. How is he doing it? Where is he doing it? And why is it so important? So much insight, so much knowledge. So listen in, engage us, and learn something new. Welcome to the Africa Green Collar Project. I am your host, Churchill Omondi Agutu. And today we're talking to Dr. Dennis Sala, who is speaking to us from Lancaster University in the UK. He is a data science and energy expert and co-founder of Park Initiative, which we'll venture into today and we're going to explore a few things that he is working on. Welcome, Dennis. Hi there. Nice to be on the podcast. Okay, so how about you? We begin by you telling us a bit about yourself. What do you do? Sure. Well, my, my day job is uh, looking at a lot of energy sensors. So in, in my current position, I'm a full-time lecturer at Lancaster University, and uh, I look at all aspects of uh, energy and data science and the connections between. So trying to create, uh, collect data from the sensors on our campus and some other locations as well, trying to visualize them and then trying to find better ways of how can we use energy data to teach people about uh, energy and uh, sustainability, their generation and consumption as well. Okay, so uh, the reason we're here today is we're talking about a project that you're working on, which is educating high schools in developing countries on renewable energy and sustainability. So how about you tell us a bit about it? Sure, so we have recently won some uh, uh, funding uh, about uh, installing some energy monitoring equipment in uh, five high schools uh, because these are all, all in Africa. I think two of them, will, it's not even finalized the list yet, but I think two of them will be in Kenya, two of them will be in uh, Tanzania, and one of them in Swaziland. And the idea is to, to install some very small open source uh, sensors in high schools that already have some kind of an energy generation equipment. So either a solar power uh, plant or a diesel generator or one of the schools uh, looks like it will have a, a small wind turbine. And then these are all uh, uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, so basically Linux-based devices. And then they would collect data about the energy generation and production and they would sync it to the cloud. And then later on, we connect an interface to that through which we can design visualizations and every high school would sync to a similar, to the same platform you can share data across schools and then the students would use basically this this platform and through visualization they would learn about their consumption and uh, their production of, of energy and of course it would be almost uh, almost real time so, so they can just essentially go into a, a classroom turn on the lights or turn off the lights and on the visualization it would instantly show up and i think that has a very very powerful uh, message to the students to see uh, how much of a, an impact are they having on their environment? Okay, and how exactly are they viewing this? Is there like a computer lab that will be there, or are they using smartphones? How is it working? How is that going to work? So it it will uh, it will really much much depend on the on the school and the context that we're going to be in. So just last week, I have visited uh, the potential two partner schools in Kenya, and one of them is a is a very well-funded uh, uh, school, uh, donor-backed uh, donor school. So they have, uh, most of the students have smartphones and uh, they also have a large computer lab. 
So they can just use their smartphones to construct the visualizations and interact with the platforms. But I also visited uh, another uh, high school, which was uh, just on the slopes of uh, Mount Kenya in a much, much more rural and much more modern setting. So there we would probably be using the, the computer lab and then maybe uh, have, a, have a common space where we occasionally can project the, current, the school's current consumption and some of the visualizations that the students uh, uh, might construct. The school that we partnered with in, in, in Swaziland, they, they already uh, implemented uh, some, of the, some of the project. They already have the sensors in place. And they actually have a very nice energy center where they have four screens that displays their consumption uh, real time. So that's also a possibility that we can explore. It, of course, as always, it all depends on the budget. Okay, and, but why is it so important? Why, why did you start this initiative? What is so important about it? When I maybe I, I need to go back in time uh, a, a little bit, <laughs> so I will, I will open a parenthesis uh, for that. Uh, during my master's degree, which I did in, uh, in Abu Dhabi at the Moscow Institute of Science and Technology, and later I continued for a PhD also there uh, at the Moscow Institute uh, in collaboration with MIT in Boston. We had uh, we had quite a few uh, really really great professors and. Uh, one of the courses that we were concentrating on was the connections between uh, uh, energy and poverty. And uh, during this course, we traveled to uh, one remote location in, uh, in Borneo, in a Malaysian rainforest, in a small village. And then we lived with the community for a week. And then we, during that, we, we started learning about what is the interaction between how community perceives the uses of the usage of energy, how do they manage a common energy resource. And then, how can we how can we increase the, the longer term maintenance of, of uh, community energy systems uh, and raise their sustainability, but through educating the children, but members of the community as well. So, as a spin off with uh, with a few of the, my, my fellow classmates, we started uh, an organization through which we have uh, started holding courses on uh, renewable energy and, and sustainability, mostly in unelectrified remote regions. Uh, uh, of the world, and what uh, what we discovered is that through different uh, hands-on techniques, such as uh, playing computer games or doing a, doing a map of their uh, of their regions, or, or, or even just uh, playing board games with uh, with students, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of knowledge that the conventional uh, higher education system cannot really bring to, to, to surface, and uh, that's why. We have started uh, developing more and more tools, hands-on tools, which sort of try to talk on the on the language of today's kids in order to bring energy and sustainability closer to them. Okay, but so does it mean then that you're trying to simplify complex concepts? I mean, are you talking about um, generation and sources of generation and what renewable energy is, or is it just for them to sort of get an idea of? how they use their energy and how like to sort of almost get an intuitive understanding of how so instance like you said switching on the light impact is the impacts their energy use it's, uh, it's uh, i would say a little, it's a little bit of both because uh, usually our uh, on our courses which may run for a few days maybe a week we have a little bit of, uh, of a theoretical component which as you said of uh, how does actually the solar panel or how does a wind turbine generate electricity from uh, the sun or, or for, uh, for movement but it, it is also about 
creating a culture of, uh, of, of critical thinking, which in a lot of cases, in a lot of times, uh, I, I grew up in Romania, and even there, the, the school system was very hierarchical, so it didn't really uh, help the, the, the hands-on thinking. And then I think a lot of times kids uh, have still a heightened sense of creativity, especially early on in their high school. So if we just put the sensor on on their on their uh, solar panel and we show them this is the generation of life, that sticks in the memory for a much much longer time than if they just read read about the, you know read about it in a book. So therefore, I think uh, it's it's creating this connection with reality that uh, uh, has an impact longer term. And you know, if a if a, if a student five years down the line they, they rem remembers that oh you know. It, there was this uh, grumpy guy who showed me who showed me how does a wind turbine work. If he remembers that, it's one job interview. Five years later, maybe maybe that's already a success. Oh, great! Thank you for that. Uh, I also had I was wondering, uh, just in terms of quantifiable impact, based on the projects that you did say with Arc Initiative, have there been anything that you've been? Is there anything that you've sort of seen as a, that has be, like benefited students from the learning? Is there any quantifiable impacts that you've come across so far? Yeah, the, 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 sure, there, there's a few. Maybe I'll, I'll give you an example from, from Tanzania. Uh, we were working with uh, three schools in Tanzania, and each of the schools, they, uh, they got uh, a small solar panel, uh, well, like quite a few solar panels, so a, a small solar power plant on, uh, on top of their schools. And then we held a course for the, for the students, uh, not, but not just the students, but also uh, for the teachers. And then we very much created uh, an environment through which the students would uh, would learn about their region through their teachers. That oh, they they realize that their region is actually quite rich. They have all these resources, not just in terms of energy, but also in terms of water and then and, and economics. And then I think uh, quite a few of those uh, of those students were very much positively in impacted. Uh, when they graduated the school and then they went on to establish businesses and they, they kept in touch with each other and uh, I think there's of course in education the impacts are always very very long term but there are very positive trends uh, showing that there, there, there's, a, there's a benefit to, uh, to this work. Okay congratulations to the students and to you for your project. Also from your own experience working on ARC Initiative I'm sure you've seen that um, there are some challenges that you've observed through your work. So far, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing with the project? Sometimes the, 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 the biggest challenges, it's, uh, it's the very, very mundane things. So for example, uh, we've also found, uh, we also found out, let me go back to Tanzania since I started talking about that. We did a project there in 2015 that was. And then, uh, for example, we had a workshop where we wanted to uh, map the resources of a, of a community and then we had uh, we had uh, men and women talking uh, in the same room, and then we realized that it was only the men uh, who were who were giving input, and the women would stay silent. And later on, somebody was telling us that within that particular cultural context, it was uh, considered uh, disrespectful for women to speak in the presence of men or something like that. And then, of course, we didn't know that. So if we would have known that, we would have constructed the. We would have conducted the workshop in a different way. So a lot of times, there's a lot of cultural uh, particularities which, uh, which which really need uh, to, to to be paid taken into account. And then sometimes we miss that. So let me give you another example. Uh, sometimes um, people in the in the Western world or 
a lot of times where the funding for their projects is coming from, they don't realize that the pace of, uh, of, of working is different across the world. So, for example, if we were liaising with one, one, one headmaster in a school which was in a very remote uh, rural region, he had, to, he had to walk one day to, to just to download the file or just to get access to the internet on, on, on his phone. And then, of course, the, the funders uh, or the donors, they didn't understand that they, they cannot reply instantly to the emails and definitely cannot fill Excel sheets of, of costing forms in a, in a matter of, uh, of hours. So sometimes this synchronization between, between the particularities of uh, different regions, it's, it's challenging. Okay, and are there ways you found to go around that? Yes, uh, we, not especially in, in recent years, uh, internet access started to become quite ubiquitous, even in the most remote regions. So a lot of times I, we have found out that WhatsApp is actually the fastest way of, of communicating rather than email or, or more conventional uh, methods. And people are quite responsible with WhatsApp. And uh, they can communicate with pictures, so I think... Uh, this is one of the lessons. Okay, and um, just in terms of, because it, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of requirement from a technical perspective in terms of technology. Is it affordable? Is it locally available, or do you have to come with it from, um, say, from the UK to be able to implement it? How are you working around that? Yeah, this is one of. Uh, I think today perhaps this is one of the biggest problems of all kinds of development projects that you install something and if it goes uh, if it goes wrong. Nobody's going to fly back from Denmark or Norway or whatever the equipment is for social. Of course, this is a very, very good question. Well, I, with, for example, with the census project that I was, uh, I was talking about, we're trying to do all of our, all of our, both the hardware and the software components are actually built in the spirit of the open source. So there's a very large uh, support forum online that uh, we can turn to. But at the same time, we try to create uh, a capacity within the communities of the schools that they're receiving the equipment. So we're going we're gonna to hold uh, some training courses before we install the equipment. But I think the most powerful is actually sort of uh, what we would call horizontal technology and noise transfer. So I mentioned in this case that the Swaziland school already has the right equipment in place. So we're very much trying to foster a connection between uh, them and the other schools so that uh, if any issue comes up, they, they, they have this little support network and they can uh, uh, they can turn to somebody who have, might have faced a similar issue uh, uh, before. So it's like a small scale network almost. So you're trying to empower many of the schools where they can now interact with each other and try to figure out how to help each other. Absolutely, I think I think this is one of the uh, one of the, the greatest uh, benefits of, of social media is that it enables uh, borderless learning. So we're very much trying to incorporate that as much as possible. And how about sustainability of the project? Are you looking at it? Is, is it a, the kind of project where you can sort of um, come, implement it, and then let it run on its own? Or there's, an, there's a point where the, sort of, the project stops? How are you working to make it sustainable long term? So currently, our, our funding scheme is, uh, or the funding plan, <laughs> it is to use these five, these, these five projects as a, as a pilot. And then if they are successful, I'm very much looking forward to uh, pitching this uh, to a few more uh, funding sources to scale it up to a much uh, much higher sort of 100 uh, school uh, scale. So we're trying to use this as a, as a springboard. And then that would also create 
some sustainability for the running projects longer term because they would be the showcase uh, examples. Okay, so it's kind of like, a, you said it's a still a pilot project and it's still running. Well, then we hope that the project grows and there's more people who are actually empowered through this. Uh, one of the things that we're always working on through the podcast is just to try and figure out how we can get more youth involved in the project. So if, yeah. let's say, I was interested in such a project, uh, how can I get involved? So the, we are we are still much, uh, with this particular uh, energy sensor project, we are still very much in the early planning phases. So... Uh, for that, the involvement probably would be quite conventional in terms of sending me an email. But then we are trying to create, we will actually be working very hard to create a public facing platform where people can explore and browse the data that will be coming from the schools. And then if they want to pitch in with the, with the school of their own, we will also offer that, that option. And then the, the, the cost of actually becoming part of the project for a school are relatively uh, relatively low so we're hoping to get some involvement that way as well but in terms of uh, our initiative uh, we are, uh, yeah I have to say in a parenthesis that uh, currently we are also undergoing a little bit of a, of a, of a restructuring but uh, there's uh, there's an organization that I, I would like to mention and they are called uh, energy action partners and they are based uh, all across the world but uh, more one of their main bases is in uh, in Malaysia, and one of the things that they do is that they hold uh, uh, they're developing a computer game, which uh, is trying to model uh, mini grids in uh, in communities that are off grid. They're not connected to electricity, and they are holding yearly. They're holding multiple courses for uh, high school students and also uh, university students uh, all across the world. So they have a few courses in Malaysia, in uh, Indonesia, and then they. Uh, in India, we have some other locations coming. So perhaps one of the quickest ways is to is to look up uh, an injection partners on the internet. Okay. Thank you so much for that uh, great insight that you've given us, Dennis. Uh, we hope that our listeners have learned something new and we look forward to hearing more about your project. Well, thank you very much, Churchill, uh, for having me on the podcast. And, okay. Uh, I think Green Career Africa, it's, it's a really great initiative and uh, I, I hope to see it grow in the future as well. Thank you so much. We do hope to get a bigger reach and we hope that more people hear about your project and we can get more knowledge out there. I think it's very important what you're doing, uh, getting this knowledge out and finding ways to empower you know, youth and young high school students and giving them this insight. Have a good evening. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you learned something new. Make sure you share it with your friends and colleagues. Our Instagram is Green Collar Africa. Our Twitter is Green Sea Africa. Our Facebook is the Africa Green Collar Project. Our website is greencollarafrica.org. And you can email us at greencollarafrica at gmail.com.